0: We have core values, integrity, trustworthiness, and respect. But over the years, uh, people will, they'll add their own word. Like instead of integrity, they'll say honesty. They start to add a few extra words, and this is the reason I'm smiling, because at the end of the day, it is still about a diverse team of people and a, a bit of a flat structure. We are not too hierarchical. We operate in teams, we collaborate and communicate very strongly as teams. And there's not one person that is more important than
1: another. Welcome to Security Cleared Jobs, Who's Hiring and How, the podcast for cleared professionals looking for new opportunities and career advice. We go behind the scenes with recruiters and hiring managers from leading cleared employers to uncover the information you need to make a smart career move. Get ready for insights from this week's guest and your hosts, Kathleen Smith and Rachel Bozeman.
2: Welcome, friends. It's Kathleen.
1: Rachel, how are you doing today? I am fantastic, and life just got a little bit better because I'm here with you, Kathleen, and our new friend, Miss Elsa Lee, who I am super excited to learn a little bit more with and from. So, Elsa, I know you are the CEO of Advantage SCI. But on top of that, you have an incredibly awesome background. I believe 20 years as an Army Counterintelligence Special Agent. In addition to CEO, you're also an author and instructor at UCLA. And what I find the most fascinating, you've got some puppies and some kittens and some miniature ponies. So we are so excited that you are here with your miniature zoo uh, today to talk to us about Advantage SCI.
0: Great. Thank you for having me.
2: So, Elsa, thank you so much for taking the time. I mean, being uh, a CEO, I know, is really very demanding of your time. So we really appreciate your time here today. And, you know, 20 years ago, you decided to found the company. Can you tell us about your experience and how you decided to start Advantage SCI and the company that you have today?
0: I think the idea came from a serving in the Army for 20 years. I was in positions all over the world where I had the ability to serve on counterterrorism task forces um, and a whole lot of different counterintelligence types of missions where we were always tracking and monitoring terrorism or foreign intelligence threats to our nation and to our military. So in those 20 years, I had really a very good, um, I guess... Uh, experience being able to see how the threat would eventually arrive in the US. And I used to put these little products together throughout my career, kind of giving a snapshot of what was happening with threats, how big they were, how likely they were, where were they likely to hit. I used to have these little uh, graphics that I would put together, you could almost see a predictable picture that in the US, we would eventually have attacks like what we were seeing um, overseas. And in 2000, when I retired, I thought I needed to start this company because it was just a matter of time before we would be experiencing terrorism in the U.S. And people looked at me really strange and thought it was a crazy idea, a crazy service. They didn't understand it, and I thought I would be, I would have to rush to infuse corporate America, uh, the academic world, uh, every industry that I could to prepare for terrorism because you really can't um, tell where the target is. it could be any it could be in a large city it could be a, a a large facility where there's a lot of people it could be a military base or not so it was um it was very scary i think for me to know that we weren't really ready for for attacks. And that's what gave me the idea to start the company. And I would say within a few years, uh, we started getting contracts in the corporate world and as well as within government. And in a nutshell, that's kind of how Advantage SEI came to be today. We eventually became a government contractor providing not just um, intelligence or national security services, but a broad range of services that fall under engineering or special security support within Department of Defense and the federal government.
1: So first and foremost, thank you so much for your service, and thank you for everything you've done to keep us safe and and making sure that everyone's aware of that. So we would definitely be remiss if we didn't thank you for all of your many, many contributions. But now selfishly, myself and our listeners probably want to know a little bit about the different type of cleared positions that you're hiring for and where those are located.
0: So we have um, some high-priority positions in the Washington, D.C. area right now with um, the Defense Intelligence Agency and the Department of Homeland Security. So for the Department of Homeland Security, these are going to be access control, TSSCI clearances. It requires TSSCI clearances with DHS suitability. We, we have a need for uh, access control personnel that it's very similar, I suppose, to a guard, uh, but you're at the entry point and you're checking clearances for people entering the building or leaving the building. And... We need them for all um, shifts. So in other words, this is like a 24-7 um, operation, and some of these the shifts are harder to fill than others. But I think ideally the, the, the shifts that are on call are perfect for maybe people that have recently retired and they found that they're bored and maybe they don't really want to be retired, um, someone that's not necessarily counting on full-time employment and then the DIA positions are a mix of personnel security and um, SCIF accreditation specialties within the National Capital Region, primarily in the Reston, Virginia area, Quantico, and then one at Huntsville, Alabama. That one, those positions require TSSCI with CI Poly.
1: And would you say your greatest hiring need would be kind of encapsulated in those? Or what would you say is your greatest hiring need?
0: It is because most of the other positions are easier to fill. So we have contracts um, at Campbell, Fort Bliss, uh, Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and a few overseas. But most of the other locations are not that difficult to fill. And the and the ones that I just called out are difficult. Um, actually, I, I I forgot to mention the um, Army logistics contract at Fort Bliss. We we could also use bus drivers. And again, it's one of these, it's it's a labor category where it's not full time employment. They're on call when needed. Uh, so those are a little bit more difficult to fill than the positions that are regular, you know, forty hours a week.
2: So I imagine due to the nature of this kind of work that you're doing, re- working remotely is rarely an option?
0: Correct. And that's because the government is depending on us for essential services. And while we've been undergoing the pandemic, um, some of the government people have had to, uh, I, I guess some of them retired. So it created gaps within the government and the government is depending and entrusting government contractors to run operations so um, it's not really easy to work remote. Although I would say that maybe maybe there might be like one or two positions within our entire um, company <laughs> where the government is flexible and maybe has like flexible hours. But for the most part, these positions that require the TSSEI, it's a regular 40-hour week. There might be flexibility in how you structure the schedule, but it's not possible to work at home, you know, and have a JWICS connection at your house. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, they are not really remote positions. They're they're the ones that the government is counting on us to like help run operations.
1: So it sounds like the bulk of the hiring or your existing workforce kind of fall into three different categories. Could you talk us through a little bit more about those three different
0: groupings? So we have the intelligence field, which typically is going to be primarily in the Washington DC area. And then we have logistics work that at the present time is um, spread out between um, Fort Bliss, Texas, and Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And then we also have overseas linguist positions that are in the Middle East supporting our military forces in a, in a broad range of um, missions. But um, typically it will be intelligence, special security support, the people that maintain clearances or um, help the government uh, maintain the the cleared facilities, or the cleared programs, or the classified programs, and then the logistics work that takes place within some of our military bases.
2: It sounds like you know, and I, I'm not trying to simplify it, but it sounds like some of these positions really do almost James Bondish kind of jobs. So, you know is is that true? Am I am I reading between the lines on that? Or
0: no that that would be true so the government is our customer and we have many government customers right so when i say the government it could be any of them but they don't want us to make it sound exciting they don't want us to they don't want us to say anything about it but in truth it is it is james bondish there are some positions and they're not going to be posted as such so you have to like read between the lines and ideally we're going to attract the people that already know the mission, they came from the military, or they came from those organizations. I myself worked in some of these organizations, so that's the only reason that I know it's very James Bond-ish and exciting. But all we can say is that, uh, yes, some some positions are going to be um, very exciting. It's it's as close as you can get without putting yourself in danger, right? And typically, when I, when I was in the military, I could not be in a place like that unless they asked for me by name. They would have to know I existed. Then I would have to compete against so many other people to be selected to be there. Right? And the fact that we're, you know, trying to hire for these positions, um, we we all we can do is say, hey, come work at Advantage SEI and then hope that the people that are applying know what they're getting into because there's not a whole lot else we can say about it, right? And um, so, yeah, it it would be true that some... Are James Bondish. And then we also have some, um, I would say that some of the work that has taken place overseas is the kind of work where there's a lot of adrenaline, all right? And I don't really get to know what they do, but I just know there's adrenaline because we've been fortunate enough to get uh, recognition letters from CENTCOM or Special Forces about some of the contributions that our workforce has provided In some of these unique missions that were, I guess, dangerous at times. So I I would say that a few, you know, they're either James Bondish or they're high adrenaline.
1: Either one sounds cool in my book. So definitely really, really cool. Something that I'm hoping you can kind of explain for us, what are emerging requirements and surge requests from the government? What does that really mean? And what kind of impacts does that have on your company and folks that you're looking to hire and recruit into those roles?
0: So the government, they might mention before we actually get the contract awarded, like when we're at the bidding stages, they will go ahead and alert you that there will be a search request or there may be an emerging requirement. Emergent and search pretty much is the same thing. They they think that something has come up and they need you to staff up the contract really fast. And and a good example would be, let's just say that there was a natural disaster and now there's extra work. So the government needs more people, but maybe they need more People, you know, at more than one location. That's that's one example of when an emerging requirement might require um, staffing up the contract, right? But typically, before we bid on it, it'll say, "What is your plan to staff it up when we tell you we need surge or when we have emerging requirements?" And for those requirements, we need to have people that are available immediately. So sometimes um, transitioning military will say, "How?" Far out, can I send you my resume? For us we really need, if, if the military um, background is going to be a fit for some of these positions, we really need those resumes, or we need them to be looking and applying um, within three months of, of being available, right? Because that, it's going to give us enough time to get those um, packets submitted, or give them enough time to like retire, and it, it aligns with the actual timeline when the person is required at, at the location. So, uh, yeah, merging or search means that the government foresees they will have unforeseen, unforecasted <laughs> requirements and needs to stuff up the contract.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a need out there. And, and I understand that more than about half of your employees are veterans, as are most of your senior staff. Is that a natural progression for mo- much of your work for folks to come straight out of the military and step in?
0: It it is for the contracts where we are supporting the military. Um, for example, our our linguist overseas, I'm almost I would say hundred percent of them were ex military, and they were already experienced in a combat zone. So, those positions are typically, uh, appropriate or a fit for someone that's coming from the military with, with the background. Um, that we don't need to try to explain to them what CENTCOM means or special operations forces or the difference between special forces and special operations forces. Some of, so some of those are a good fit, but there's other, other positions within our defense uh, contracts that don't necessarily require the military background, although it is, it is always desired. It, it's a really good fit. There's no um, learning curve if you're coming from the military, right? It is also still possible to hire uh, people that were not in the military who have been trained at other uh, contracting companies.
1: Awesome. So something I know probably as the CEO that you take very seriously is your company culture and environment, one that you've contributed to and helped create. So could you tell us about that company culture and environment and how others can contribute to that culture?
0: After 20 years, it has evolved. You know, we have core values, um, integrity, trustworthiness, and respect. And I personally, like, those are the three words I gravitate to, right? But over the years, uh, people will, they'll add their own word. Like, instead of integrity, they'll say honesty. They start to add a few extra words, and this is the reason I'm smiling, because... At the end of the day, it is still about a diverse team of people and a, a bit of a flat structure. We are not too hierarchical. We, we have that formality and we have that structure because we are in a highly regulated government contracting world where you've got to have compliance. You've got to have schedules and formality, but we are, um, a company that's kind of laid back. Oper- we operate, you know, in teams. We collaborate and communicate very strongly as teams. And there's not one person that is more important than another. So I think that um, the best way I could describe it is that we are team oriented. We are very collaborative. We are very diverse. And we, um, you know, we tend to just do what has to be done to get the job done. So for instance, I may be the CEO right now, but I might have to be recruiting or sourcing or interviewing or actually writing the whole proposal because everyone else is really busy like filling another contract or a higher priority requirement. So we uh, we are just, I would say, we're team-oriented. We, we, we just respect everybody. We want to be able to bring in people that want to be here, people that like to work with other people. <laughs> and all I can say is at the end of the day, uh, we have a respect for humanity and maybe like four little-legged critters, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You got to have the four-legged critters. I, I, I'm i so sad we can't see yours. Mine just went off to get lunch and dinner and, and so they'll be back rubbing their bellies really happy. Um, so you've got a lot of experience including working a number of jobs that you've been recruiting for. So putting on your advisor hat for clear job seekers and you know in our talk it, it sounds like you've really valued professionalism and discretion. Can can you explain why that's so important and give us some examples for our job seekers to learn from?
0: Whether you're coming from the military, you're coming from a career change or you know you're you're cross-training from another industry and and you've you've qualified to be able to come into a position where you didn't really have the background, right? Or maybe you came from the commercial world and you've never been in government contracting. There's going to be a little bit of a learning curve no matter where you go because every agency every military uh, customer has their own way of doing business and i would say some of the important do's is make sure that that resume is professional up to date with correct email and correct phone number And make sure that when you do apply, that you do follow up if you were qualified. So be responsive when people are calling you. No matter where you are in your career, be professional and think about your consequences, right? (laughs) If you're applying in so many places and then you are telling everybody, oh, I can't take this job because they may or may not say it. They found something that pays more money it's it really just uh portrays that person as somebody that is only interested in money is not really interested in the position or being a part of that team or a part of that mission and so it um it's just not good it's better to be professional be serious uh be up to date on that resume and be responsive when you're being contacted and very early on if you've decided you don't want the job don't don't do it on your first day at work <laughs> <laughs>
2: One thing I wanted to ask is a a follow-up question with your military background and that you have so many folks that work for you that have transitioned from the military. Do you have any specific advice for transitioning military folks?
0: The truth of the matter is that when you do leave the military, it's going to be a little bit difficult at the beginning to navigate. Um, The easiest transition is going straight into a job that has the same Job title as the function that you did in the military. Um, for example, if you were the security manager as your secondary duty um, in the in the military, right? And you're applying for a job to do skiff accreditation, as an example, right? More than likely, you did skiff accreditation as a security manager. You saw the paperwork. It's not going to be a foreign, you know, lesson. You're going to be familiar with it, but. If you're applying for this position and you never did this work before or you had a different title, it it may may be hard. So my advice is try to match yourself up to something that you've done before where you know you can apply for it and you can speak to it and you have tailored the resume to that type of effort.
1: You've had just a beautiful long career with so many different experiences and unique opportunities. Are there any more that you can share with us?
0: I've written a few books, so I've written about four or five academic books. One of them is Encyclopedia of Intelligence, and it was a 50-page chapter on counterintelligence with a professor from Notre Dame College, I believe. But I remember when I was writing either that book or a different book, a book on domestic terrorism, hate hate crimes. It was was written by a a friend of mine who is a psychologist who wrote a three-book compendium on hate crimes. (laughs) And my chapters were the uh, domestic terrorism chapters. But I remember in one of those, I actually did say, I've survived terrorist attacks in three different countries. And I I don't really think I was a target. I just happened to be on a three, like a a four or five day getaway. I was in Europe at the time. And it was also around the same time that I was on a counterterrorism task force. And it was all coincidental. So it's not like um, I wasn't like being followed. But I just think that it's amazing that I walked away one hour before the bombs went off and lived to tell, to talk about it, right? In three different places, almost three days, three consecutive days, three different countries. Cause I happened to be like on a little getaway, right? But I happened to choo- choose all these places where there were <laughs> attacks happening. And I remember thinking, I'm so lucky. I'm. I was meant to like go on to do important work, and then be able to have, you know, a, a sharp mind to be able to do this work. So I would say that what my what I did in the military was really amazing because I was also recruited as a teenager, and then the day that it was time to graduate, they didn't realize I was not of legal age, and I was one of five hundred applicants when it all started that that applied, but only four graduated, and I was not of legal age, so. They rewrote the regulation on the day of graduation so that I could get a badge and credentials and be a special agent, and then everyone behind me was considered an apprentice um, until they were, you know, twenty-one years old. But um, no, I would say the, you know, the acting career when I was an extra here, here or there, was exciting at the time. Um, I would say um, my military was probably the most exciting and. You know, running this company is very exciting as well, because I still get to be connected to the work I used to do a long time ago.
1: So maybe the only thing I wouldn't include would be like vacation planner, because I'm thinking (laughs) the places you choose sound maybe not quite the best to go to. So everything else amazing, vacation planner, ex-nay.
0: Yes, correct.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, 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 I'll second that. I'll second that. Yes. (laughs) Well, Elsa, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Very interesting. And we've we've gone everywhere from interesting to James Bond to vacation planner to CEO who knows how to do everything. So this has been awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Kathleen, so much. So that was
2: Elsa Lee with Advantage SCI, and I had been so looking forward to her interview and she did not disappoint. I mean, just an amazing career, amazing philosophy. I just, I was just so excited about talking about some of those rudimentary jobs that are also really more James Bond-ish. Rachel, what was memorable for you from Elsa's comments today? It's more the question of what wasn't
1: memorable. I mean, how incredible get to talk to someone that has just such an incredible career. But what I really appreciated was that she saw a need, that so many could say, I've done my part, we're done, and step away. But it was what can I do to continue the mission and make sure that you know we're safe and give people the opportunity to continue to keep us safe? So I thought that was pretty incredible and certainly, definitely worth talking about. And we know
2: that she's definitely not someone that should be doing our vacation planning. It's second, third, and fourth. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Well, thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our show when you have a moment and talk with you again. Hasta la vista.